Welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see everyone this Wednesday evening. Glad you've joined us for youth group tonight. Glad you're here. Um, I got a quick announcement to share with you guys before we start into the night, and that is these. On Christmas Eve, we're having services here at the church that each and every one of you are welcome to come to. There are some invites out on the information center if you'd like to show up for that. Our services are going to be at, <clears throat> excuse me, 3.30 is the first one, and... Five o'clock is the second service, so if you guys want, and also if you guys want to invite a friend to our Christmas Eve service as well, stop by the information center, grab one of these coaster-looking things, it's an invite, hand it out at school, hand it out to your friends and family, whatever you'd like to do, because we'd love to have you join us on Christmas Eve if you would consider that. Okay, so this week what i got to do is I'm going to crunch two weeks' worth of messages into one, so it's going to be kind of a little bit brief on both sides of this, because next week we're going to have our Christmas party. I kind of lost track of the calendar and thought we had three weeks left when we only have two, so we'll do a message tonight, and next week we'll do our Christmas party. Listen to me, our Christmas parties rock, so if you guys want to invite a friend, we're going to have food, there'll be games, there'll be a lot of different things we'll be doing that night, and it's going to be a ton of fun and a ton of energy, so I'm pretty excited about next week. I don't like fun nights, to be honest with you. They're a lot of work, and I'm not that guy, <clears throat> but our Christmas parties are pretty cool, and they work out pretty well, so if you are available next Wednesday night to come, that would be great. And inviting a friend would even be better. So, okay. So tonight what I want to do, Corey, you already got it up there. The ultimate gift, the baby in a manger. We're going to go week two. And tonight we're going to talk about the announcement and the arrival of the ultimate gift, okay? Last week we talked about what's the best gift you've ever had, right? So tonight I'm not going to have you turn to your small group tables right away like we normally do again. Because we're a little close on time tonight with what i got to talk about. But I want you guys to help me out. Worst Christmas movie ever. Shout it out. Worst one ever. Elf? Elf is not the worst movie ever. Elf is one of the best ones. Anyway, so Elf is one of the worst ones, they say. Who else? Huh? What'd you say? I don't like the, the Christmas story. Is that the one with the little kid? I don't like that one either. Polar Express is not creepy. Polar Express is one of the most amazing movies. Well, it is weird. And that one scene with the rail car is creepy. I got to admit that with the toys. That's kind of creepy. Anybody else? Worst Christmas movie ever. The Christmas Carol is creepy. How about the Grinch? Does anybody like the Grinch that stole Christmas? Yeah, you would. <laughs> you would like the Grinch that stole Christmas. Anyway, what I want to talk about tonight is not the worst story ever, <clears throat> but the best Christmas story ever. And that's what we're going to cover tonight. So we're going to crunch this up a little bit. Both of these scriptures can be found in the book of Luke, chapter 1 and chapter 2. The first one I'm just going to give you because most people know during the Christmas season, who's Jesus' mother? Mary. That's exactly right. So Mary's kind of an important part of the story, but I'm going to touch on her just a little bit, and then we're going to get into the second part of the announcement. I think you see the announcement and the arrival both in that. So in Luke, chapter 1, you see Mary getting visited by the angel Gabriel. There's a couple things here I think that are significant, and one of them is Mary is insignificant. We had a lot of ladies sitting here in the middle of the room. In biblical days, unfortunately, before Jesus came along, ladies were looked down on. You, weren't that, you were not that significant. Men ruled and girls drooled, basically, is what happened in, the, in a biblical sense. Mary was very insignificant, but Mary found favor in the eyes of God. So I see Mary doing this. She's from Nazareth, which, which Nazareth, Nazareth, they say nothing good comes out of Nazareth. So she's out doing her obedient duty of just being a young Jewish lady in that community. I don't even know what she would have been doing at this time. Movies have been made. Things have been touched on that she might have been up to. 
But the thing that really strikes me with Mary is she found favor with God before she was ever obedient with God as far as what the angel Gabriel asked her to do. So what I see Mary doing is in the 400 to 450 years of the silent years is how this is referred to, okay? You got from Malachi to Matthew is about 450 years in time, okay? And it said God went quiet. God was still on earth. God was still working. He was still being God, but he stopped speaking to people for a time. And it's about 400 years. So Mary, in these 400 years, think about it. If you never heard from Jesus for 400 years, you wouldn't live that long, what would you do? For the next three months, because you see people all the time say, well, I'm not hearing from God, and I don't know what to do, so they stop being obedient to the things of God. Mary didn't do that. Mary was just a faithful, young Jewish lady, probably about the ages of 13 to 15, and again, in those days, they're usually a mom and getting wet at that age. <clears throat> in our culture today, it's substantially different, but in biblical times, that's what they did. So she was betrothed or engaged to Joseph. Everybody knows that part of the story. So they're engaged, they're betrothed, and in those days, that basically meant you were married. But you lived separately apart in abstinence for a year. So Joseph and Mary did not encounter each other physically, if you will, okay, to try to keep it G-rated as much as I can. They did not have sex. But yet Mary, because of what happened with Gabriel, when Gabriel meets with her and says, Mary, you have found favor with God. You're highly favored in the Lord's eyes. He said, you're going to give birth to a son. And Mary just kind of just almost innocently says, well, how's that going to happen? I've never been with anyone. And that's when Gabriel says, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Most High, will overshadow you and you will conceive and you will give birth to a son. Now, what did we talk about last week? Remember, Isaiah 7, 700 years before this, this event is prophesied. Now, think about this. Mary had to know the scripture. Now, girls, put yourself in Mary's spot for just a second, will you? You're engaged to Joseph. You're out doing your daily duties as a young Jewish lady. All of a sudden, this angel, for the first time in 400 plus years, you hear from God. Put yourself in that situation for just a second. And this angel says, you're going to conceive a child. I wonder, and it's all speculation on my part, but I wonder if Mary thought, well, that's out of the book Isaiah. And here God's telling, the angel's telling me that I'm going to fulfill that scripture that was some 700 years before it ever happened. And here's the other part of this. Some of you know this and some of you might know this, might not know this. In Levitical law, as a Jewish woman, if you're betrothed or engaged to a man and you come up unfaithful and pregnant, you know what they do with you? They stone you to death. That's what would have happened to Mary. So ladies, just for a second, put yourself in Mary's position. You hear that scripture is being fulfilled. I believe she knows this. In her life, you got an angel standing before you saying that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. You're going to become pregnant and you're going to give birth to Jesus, the Savior of the world. And this is what Gabriel's telling her. I wonder if Mary thought to herself, you know, if I do this, I'm in trouble. If I do this, how am I going to explain to Joseph what's going on? And is Joseph going to believe me? Or, or am I going to be taken out and be stoned to death? You look at the obedience of a young lady who was absolutely insignificant in the times of biblical, when this was written and when this happened. She didn't count for nothing. And thank goodness that Joseph, I believe God knows all this, obviously. God had picked Joseph to be Jesus' dad here on earth. 
He picked Mary to be the mom, and he knew Joseph's character spiritually. He knew who Joseph was. And, he, and Joseph's like, it says in Scripture that Joseph made the decision to quietly divorce Mary <clears throat> so that she would not be stoned to death. And in today's terms, Joseph didn't put it out on social media that Mary was out screwing around and got pregnant by another guy because I've never been with her. He did not deface Mary. He did not disgrace Mary, and he wanted to protect Mary from the Levitical law, so he wanted to divorce Mary quietly. Then the angel of the Lord talks to Joseph one night, and in a dream he says, don't be afraid to marry Mary, because what has happened to her is of God. And you're gonna, she's going to have a son, you're going to name him Jesus, and all this stuff's going on. Everybody knows this part of the story. But Mary is very insignificant. So when you see what the angel's doing here, the first announcement we see is to Mary. And in a sense, the second one is to Joseph, in a way, from the angel that visited him in his dream, right? So all this is going on. Let's fast forward for just a second, about nine months. I love the way God works because we can look at the... We can look at the lay of the land of what we're going through today, and we can think to ourselves, whatever you believe politically, health-wise, issues going on in our country, it's a mess for the most part. We've got very hard times. Gas prices, supply chain. I mean, we've just got issues in our country, right? And we think, where's God at? Well, the Israelites, the Jews could have been thinking the same thing, but watch this. The Roman emperor Caesar Augustus at that time put together a census because he was trying to bring peace and he was trying to bring more taxes into Rome at this time. So what Caesar Augustus says is, hey, everybody's got to go back to their hometown and they've got to register for a census. So think about this. God works in the hearts of believers and unbelievers. God reigns on the just and the unjust. So he takes Caesar Augustus, prompts him to do a, a census at the right time. Because David or Joseph and Mary had to go back to Joseph's hometown, which was what? Bethlehem. That's not coincidence. That's not circumstance. You see God working in the lives of people through this whole story. Because if that census hadn't happened, where would Jesus have been born? Nazareth. And that, would that have fulfilled the scripture out of Micah 5, 2, where it says the Savior will be born in Bethlehem? No. Do you get how God works in life? Sometimes we're like, Lord, I don't get what's going on. I don't understand it. But God is always up to something that's going to be for our good. So if Caesar Augustus hadn't made that census, none of this would have taken place. If, if Mary wouldn't have been obedient to the angel, think about this stuff. Think about your life now. If you're not obedient to God, what are you doing getting in God's way and changing the direction of what he might want to do in your life? Do you guys understand that? Man, if Mary had said, I'm out, no, I'm not going to take the chance. Lord, that's too big for me, and I'm not going to do it. I can't be that obedient to you at school. I can't do this because my friends will make fun of me. What am I going to do if you're asking me to do this? I can't walk away from the group of kids that I know at school. I can't do that because if I do, I'm going to be all alone. I want you to think about Mary. Think about this insignificant girl that, that was just obedient no matter what the consequence, she didn't know the end of the story. No matter what the consequence, she decided she would follow God. No matter what the consequence, see, because Joseph had a reputation, didn't he? Think about it, fellas. Your girlfriend comes up pregnant, and everybody around you says, dump her, stone her, kill her, because she's been, how'd she get pregnant, Joseph? Where'd this happen? 
So Joseph, he, he basically risked as much as Mary did in a sense. Do you guys get that? This whole story of obedience with insignificant people is absolutely incredible to me. So nine months ahead again, then we get to the point where they're going to Bethlehem for the census. They don't even know. Now, I think they know scripture, and I would be thinking, man, is this what God's really doing? Is this really happening now? So they get to Bethlehem. You guys know the story. There's no room at the end because all the census was going on in that area. It took up all the spaces to stay. Basically, an inn in biblical days would have been a room. There was no room in the end because there was no rooms in the end because they were all taken. And you guys know where they ended up, right? They ended up in a stable. Probably history would show a hewn-out cave is where they ended up. That's where Jesus, God, the mighty God that Isaiah talks about in chapter 9, verse 6, where he is mighty God, is born in the most humble circumstances with the most insignificant woman, with a guy who's not even involved yet or married to this lady, and here they are in a cave in Bethlehem. Got to be thinking, what in the world is going on? And Mary's about ready to give birth to the Savior of the world. That should be enough right there to rock our world at Christmas. When you look at that baby in a manger, when you look at these nativity scenes that you see, what do you see? I talked about this a little bit on Sunday when I got to preach. What do you see when you look at that thing? Do you see, yeah, I get some presents around the tree, and I know that's Jesus in there, but what's the big deal? If all these things, all these people had not been obedient to God, none of this would have taken place the way it said. But God prompting people through obedient hearts changed everything. So that's what I want to do now. So in Luke 1, Luke goes from a dirty, nasty manger where Jesus has been born put in swaddling clothes, which we'll talk about in just a second. He goes now into the dark of night into a field where there are shepherds around, which is another very insignificant group of men. See, shepherds were outcasts. They were looked down on. They were unclean. They couldn't go to... Listen, how'd you like to be told that you're unclean and you can't come to youth group or church because of the way you live your life? I would have never gotten to church because I was a sinner one day, right? Think about if sinners were not allowed to come to church. That's basically what you've got in the shepherds. They're good Jews. They're faithful Jews. Jesus is referred to as the good shepherd and the Lamb of God. So who's he appeared to? Who's the angel appeared to next? Who's the first one to hear that the, that the saviors arrived or the, the, the lowly outcast shepherds in the field in the dark of night? That's what we're about ready to enter into. But I want you guys to get your arms around these guys. These guys called shepherds are as insignificant as Mary was. In this story, but as obedient as Mary was in this story when we look at it as well. So what I want to do is I want to break this down a little bit for you guys, and I want to give you guys an idea. Of, think about this, though. Why didn't Jesus, why didn't the angel come to the priest and the royal royalty of the community in that area? Because normally, if we're welcoming someone who's of status and means something, they're going to go get the red carpet treatment, right? That's not the way God works because God wants you to know that Jesus is for you no matter what your circumstance or situation is. He is for all people, which we'll learn about in a few minutes. There's a great number of people in the Christmas story. And most people that matter in the Christmas story are very insignificant. When you stop and you read the story itself. So if you feel insignificant in this room like I do most of my life, especially like I did when I was a young person, man, I wish I'd have had the same luxury you guys do when I was your age, that I could have known Jesus, or at least had somebody tell me the story. Does that make sense to you guys? So if you feel insignificant, Christ is for you. 
That's what I would tell you guys. So I want to read the scripture tonight, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. And in the next 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to give you guys back to your small groups. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. It's on your bulletin if you got it on the right side of your page. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Stop. I often say this when I get to share these stories. What would happen if an angel of the Lord showed up in this room tonight? We'd wet our pants. It'd be kind of freaky, wouldn't it? Especially outside at night when there's no lights out other than the moon and the star of Bethlehem that's shining off in the distance. Sometimes I think we read scripture and we're just like, yeah, an angel of the Lord showed up. No, an angel of the Lord appeared. It'd be like, what in the world is going on around here? See, again, 400 years of silence, 400 years of no rumors about anybody talking about God using a prophet or speaking to any person on earth, and an angel of the Lord shows up. And the radiance of the, Lord, of the Lord's glory sh- surrounded them. They were terrified. Amen to that. But the angel reassured them, just like he did Mary, do not be afraid. He said, I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now think about this now. These guys knew the story of Scripture too. Even though they were outcasts and they were shepherds when they were kids, guess what they learned? They learned these stories out of the Old Testament, you guys. So they were familiar with these stories. So yes, I'm standing out there, and yes, I'm listening to an angel, but it's got to dawn on me, wait a minute, something's going on here that I get to be a part of. Today in Bethlehem, the city of David, the Savior's been born, and you will recognize him by this sign. Pause. Remember last week and in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 7, there will be a sign given to you. A baby will be born of a virgin. Same thing here. There's another sign, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggling in, wrapped snugly in strips of clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host um, of others, the armies of angels, praising God and saying, watch, this is, this, if you look at the vast host, in the words, it's thousands of angels praising God in this moment in the sky and on the hillside of this story where these shepherds are at. you imagine thousands of angels showing up and doing this at night? It'd have a little impact on you, wouldn't it? Glory to God in the highest of heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. There was a baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All, were, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. True story. Best story. This is the best Christmas movie ever, in my opinion, right here. And just as a movie, if you've never watched the movie, The Nativity, I would encourage you to watch that movie because it's very, very good. It's a very good movie, The Nativity. Okay, let's go back to the point number one. What I got here is faith hears and it listens. Verse 8 through 14, here's what we learned. Who did they, who did they hear from? The angel Gabriel. But ultimately, they heard this message from God. 
It was the angel that appeared, but the angel was just carrying on with the God, what God had told the angels to tell the shepherds. It's no different than with Mary. These messages are directly from God to his people. What did they hear? They heard the good news of a Savior's arrival on earth. Remember, Emmanuel, God with us. Where did we hear that? Last week, Isaiah 7, 700 years before this took place, it was prophesied. You can trust the Bible is the message in that. I, I, it was Emmanuel, God with us. God sent a Savior to meet man's greatest needs. When I have trouble, do I want Jesus to fix my troubles? Yes. I would love for him to take care of me the way I would like him to take care of me. Does he? No. He doesn't. And I'm glad he doesn't. Because God's timing is perfect. And God sent Jesus to earth for one reason and one reason alone. And what is it? He came to seek and save that which was lost. This little baby in a manger was heading for a cross. For you and for me. And we talked about this last week. Our reason for the season is Jesus. But Jesus' reason for the season is us. And we got to see what Jesus came to do. He came, God sent Jesus to earth in the form of a baby, headed for a cross in an empty tomb eventually, and ascends into heaven. Why? Because he came to meet man's greatest need. And you know what your greatest need is? To be saved. It's not to be healed of a health issue. It's not to have a marriage fixed. It's not to have your mom and dad not get divorced. It's not to have a lot of money. Are those things what we want sometimes and we need? Yes. But God came to fulfill your greatest need, and that is to bring you back into relationship with him. From that separation that happened in the Garden of Eden, God wants to bring you back into relationship with him. When you look at the manger scene, when you look at the nativity scene, I want you guys to see a baby who came out of obedience to the Father to bring you back to him. That's what this is all about, you guys. This sign that was given, though, and in your notes it'll say, they were given a sign, and so are we. Because see, hypothetically, if you will, we see a toy doll in a manger. When you look at the stage in the church, you see a manger scene. You see a baby in a, in a manger in a, in a feeding trough, basically, is what it was for animals. So that's our sign of remembrance to remember what the sign was given to the shepherds that night. And that sign is a purpose for his identification. Who is this baby? That's what I'm saying. This baby is God Fully God, fully man, come to save us from our sin. The Savior, yes, Messiah, the Lord. And I've, I'm going to nag, I always nag people about this, and I, I don't apologize for it. I know he's your Savior, but is he your, your, your Lord? Because I don't think he'll be your Savior very long if it's not your Lord, you guys. He's got to be King of King and Lord of Lords in our life. We've got to be obedient to what he says, because if he's just your Savior, it doesn't, it won't last. He has to be Lord and Savior, as Romans teaches us. He can't just be Savior and go from there. He's the Messiah, the Lord. He provides peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Look at today's world. Is there peace anywhere to be found, really? There's wars, people arguing, people hating each other. That's not the peace he's talking about. That's where it's so important to know peace with whom God is pleased. And that peace is in your heart. That peace is when you're brought back into relationship with God, you have peace in your heart because you're no longer fighting with God. The Messiah, again, came as a good shepherd and the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The shepherds believed in faith, the message they received from the angel, and it impacted the way they lived. Their belief changed their behavior. Does it yours? You can come in here on a Wednesday night, 
or church on a Sunday morning and say, I believe. And you can leave that facility and go out and behave like it doesn't matter a lick to you. We've all seen him, haven't we? You guys know those people. You see him at school all the time. See him at church. They say they're Christians, but are they behaving like it? Does that behavior get me to heaven? No, but if I believe in something, it should change how I behave. That's what that is. It's not to earn heaven. It's to honor God. And next we see the respond, how they responded to what they heard. Number two is faith responds with action. Verses 15, we saw this. The news of his coming would not have been, the news of his coming, think about this, would not have been good news to the shepherds unless they were watching for him. Unless they were waiting for the Savior to come, the Messiah to come to Bethlehem, the, angels or the, the, the shepherds would have been like, what are you talking about? But see, they were ready. They were waiting. Are you waiting for God? Are you waiting to watch Jesus work in your life? Are you anticipating him doing some miraculous thing, like keeping you alive the next day so you can go share the good news? They hurried to Bethlehem to find the baby. This idea of let's go that's found in verse 16 is, is, is means it's found. But here's what they did. This word, this idea of let's go means this. Watch this. They had to go search for the child. See, they knew the sign. The baby would be wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, which meant somewhere in a corral or a stable or a hewn-out cave or something, right? So they knew the signs, but they just didn't walk down the street and go, hey, there's Jesus. They actually had to go search for God. They had to go search to find the sign that God had given, that the angel had given them. Are you searching the scriptures for God? When you go to the, if the manger is a feeding trough, let me put it this way. If the manger is a feeding trough and they went and found Jesus, are you there to feed? When you read your scripture, are you there to feed on God? Are you, when you pray, are you there to feed on God, to find substance, to find spiritual substance to help you keep going? Sometimes we have to look for God. Sometimes we've got to search the scriptures and see if we can find a word from God that will help us. Sometimes God is silent because he wants you to have faith. He wants you just to believe and behave like you believe. The verb found means to find, to found after a long search. Because they knew what they were looking for. They knew when they got there. They knew what God would look like. I pray that when you're at youth group, even if you're not a Christian yet, when you bump into Jesus, you're going to know what he looks like because of what you heard at youth group. Because you're what your small group leaders are telling you when you're sitting at your tables and they're talking about this person called Jesus, that when it comes time, you will recognize who he is. And I'm praying that one day when I get to heaven, Jesus doesn't go, let me think, what, what, what's your name again? I want to be so close to Jesus here on earth that when I get to heaven, it's a reunion of sort. That he's excited to see me and I'm excited to see him because of my intimate relationship with him here. I'll know what he looks like when I get there, right? You're going to know what he looks like when you get there if you have an intimate relationship with him because through the scriptures we see him. I don't know about you guys, but I want to go to heaven. I do. But I don't want to go to heaven if Jesus isn't there. I want to go to heaven because I want to see Christ. I want to meet him. I want to smell him. I want to touch him. I want to wrap my arms around him because he's been such a help to me on this side of heaven. Does that make sense to you guys? That's how I want you to live your life. I often pray, you guys heard me say this before, I pray that if you get nothing else out of youth group, on a Sunday morning, if nobody ever gets anything out of what I'm preaching, they're like, this dude talks too fast. He's excited about something, but I have no idea what it is. You know what I want people to see? I want them to see a man who is madly in love with his Lord. 
That's all I care about. And I pray that somebody out there wants to have that same type of relationship with the Lord that I've got. Just my beep being a stinking nut job, even if I talk too fast, I don't communicate clearly. You see someone without a shadow of a doubt when I die, I don't want you guys to ever question where I'm at. And I can't wait to see Jesus. I love my family. I'm not in a hurry to get there. I love my family. I love what God allows me to do on this side of heaven. But I'm looking forward to meeting him in heaven. Does that make sense to you guys? And I hope you are too. The shepherds are a good example for us as followers today that believe in the Lord. They received the message and they responded in immediate obedience to the Lord. I want you guys to watch this video and then I'm going to close with a couple other thoughts because this video is going to show what we've been talking about in point number two. You're going to see the response. And they, did, they responded immediately by going and searching out this child that they heard about. They were each given a gift, and so are we, the ultimate gift. The thing that strikes me about the shepherds is when you see that in that clip, it strikes me how they, when you look in that shepherd's face, it wasn't just a baby he was looking at. It was God. It was the Messiah. It was Lord. And I pray that when you look at these manger scenes that we're talking about, nativity scenes, that you're like this shepherd that we see in this movie clip, that it so impacts you that you realize who it is that's been given to you, this gift that's been given to each one of us. And the other thing that they did to close in this thought, and my third point, and I'm just going to say this about the third point, is it says, faith shares the good news. It wasn't enough for them to see the child for themselves. It wasn't enough for them to experience Jesus for themselves. They went back and they told everybody, it says. Everybody that would listen, they told about this child that the angel had told them about. And exactly what the, who the child was, his identity as being the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, and what the angel has said is exactly what it was. And they told everybody, and it says in the scripture that everybody that heard was astonished. Not everybody was saved, but everybody was astonished. It's up to us to share the good news of our experience of having our hands on the Lord and bumping into Jesus, this ultimate gift that we've been given from, from heaven to earth when we look at that manger scene. Turn around to your small groups, have a discussion for a few minutes, and we'll come back up and close here in a minute. Okay, if I can have you guys' attention back to the front of the room. <clears throat> we were over here, I was over here in this small group, and we were just talking, and I had a thought that I want to share with you guys, okay? Um, the question number four that I have on the list tonight is this. In what ways will you give glory to God for the birth of Jesus this Christmas season, right? And we were talking about that over at our table. I don't know if you guys got to that question or not. But again, in what ways will you give glory to God for the birth of Jesus this Christmas season? And I, I said this at our table, and I've never had this thought before, and it just kind of comes to mind. Maybe it's just for me, and it won't make any sense to you guys. I'm going to recognize him for who he is. Have you guys ever done something? You do nice things for people, and nobody recognizes what you're doing, and you get no credit for it. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but eventually if we're doing nice things for people and we don't get the recognition for it and we don't get recognized for it, what do we eventually do? We stop doing it. We quit doing it, right? Now imagine if God did that. If, if God had done that with, our, with us in our lives because we didn't recognize him for who he is and what he's done, especially this Christmas season, if I don't give recognition to that baby in the manger and that ultimate gift that we've been talking about, I'm going to give God recognition for who he is, who that child is this year. Because when I do it, and I don't get, when I do something nice and I don't get recognition for it, I eventually quit doing the nice things I'm doing because it's like, what's the use? I'm not getting any credit for it anyway. Imagine if God did that. 
man would be in some hot water then, right? If God said, listen, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of offering myself to you people all the time, and I'm just done. Thank God that he doesn't behave that way. Thank God that he tarries that no man shall perish. Thank God that he gave his son, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. For God so loved the world that hated him and rejected him and spit on him and put him on a cross. But he gave his only son. Because in a sense, like we were talking about at our small group table too, Jesus was even being rejected before he was born. Because the only two that stuck with him were Joseph and Mary. He was being rejected of even being accepted to have a good place to be born in Bethlehem, if you will. So Jesus knows what rejection's like. And if you're being rejected, Jesus would say, welcome to the club. I'm glad you're here. But that's what I want to do for the Lord this Christmas season, is I want to recognize who that child is and give him credit for him being God and being my Savior. And I would encourage you guys to think about that. And if you're at your family dinners or you get-togethers this Christmas season, that's what I would tell you to do. And one other thought that I have to close, actually two thoughts. One, I thought about this earlier, and I didn't get a chance to share it. Dylan kind of touched on this when he was praying tonight. A lot of people during the Christmas season, the holiday season, go through tough times. It's not easy. And there's a lot of heartache and a lot of depression and a lot of discouragement and a lot of tough family situations during the Christmas season. Here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're that person and you're, you're bumping up against tough times, you either give a small group leader a call or me a call and we'll visit with you. But here's what I would tell you more to do than anything. When we start to struggle and we start to get in those moments where we get discouraged and depressed and down and just, man, the holidays are just tough. What we've done, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I believe this. What we've done is we've turned in on ourselves. And for a moment, life becomes about me and it's horrible. Whenever I make life about me, it never works out good. Does that make sense? So I would say what I would tell you guys to do is remember that Jesus is our good shepherd. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And John, the, the Apostle John told us to behold the Lamb of God. Put your eyes back on Jesus, and I promise you it will help you. That's the one thing I would say. If you get discouraged and down during the holidays, get your eyes off yourself, get them back on Jesus, and go serve somebody else. And get your eyes off yourself, and it'll help you a ton. Because here's what I know. For a lot of years of doing youth group, for probably 19, 20 years now, I've been working with students. And I know what it's like on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning when you come into a place and you're like, I'm going to start living for Christ. I'm going to start living my life differently because I'm tired of the way I'm living. And I know God will help me and I want to give my life to Christ and I don't know what to do. And I know Mary, I hear the story of Mary and Joseph and all the things that they were willing to lay to the side to live for Christ, to live for God, to be obedient to him. I would tell you this. If Corey brought, bring that last slide up for me, will you? If you would, please. What God said, God had done. What you say in here, God will help you live it out if you let him. So what God said, he has done. What you say in this room on a Wednesday night, you got to understand God will help you live that life out that he's laid upon your heart at times like this on a Wednesday night. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. And I'm grateful, Lord, for the time together tonight. It's such an encouragement to me to be able to watch these students and these leaders come in here every Wednesday night and faithfully show up and be obedient to your prompting and your call on their lives. Because I know everybody in this room has something else they could be doing right now. But everybody in this room has chosen to be obedient, to come in here because they love you and they want to know you more. So, Father, I am grateful for a group that is willing to do that every Wednesday night. It really does, it encourages my heart deeply, Lord. And I'm grateful for your word, grateful for the truth of your stories, grateful for this season. I'm grateful that we are, the reason, we are Jesus' reason for the season because you came for us. You came to seek and save that which was lost. 
And most of us in this room can honestly say at one time, we were lost, we were blind, but now we can see. And we can see spiritually because of that baby in that manger. So help us to recognize who you are, what you've done, and give you tons of glory for it this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great day, everyone.